0: The road to Acapulco is very hard indeed And it isn't any better if you haven't any weed Henry's driving hard straight on twisty Mountain Road Welcome to the Nice Guys Delivery Podcast. I'm your host, Rob Bleetstein, and I'm joined today by two prominent female forces in the cannabis industry, Mary Bailey, Managing Director for The Last Prisoner Project, and Rachel Smith, Brand Manager for Farmer and the Felon Cannabis. Welcome to you both, and thrilled to have you here today on the podcast. There's so much ground we could potentially cover, and you both are on righteous missions in your respective situations. Um, how about g- give folks a brief intro, Mary?
1: Hi, yeah. So I'm proud to serve as the managing director of Last Prisoner Project. We are a nonprofit um, organization dedicated to releasing cannabis prisoners and helping them rebuild their lives.
0: And that's quite a task. I can't wait to get into this with you a lot more. Rachel, let's hear about your work with Farmer and the Felon, which comes to us from the world of Cannacraft, just up the road in Santa Rosa.
2: Yeah, thanks, Rob. Um, yeah, so I, I am a, first and foremost a, a grower um, out of Sonoma County. And I've been growing for a long time and somehow made it um, over the over the hump onto the recreational marketing side of things. So, um, you know, I take all that skill set and love and passion for, for good weed and put it in bags and jars and make sure that we do it with integrity and good intent.
0: Great. We know it's a very popular item at Nice Guys. So very glad to have you here and can't wait to find out more about the flower and all that's behind it and goes into it. Mary, I have to say this is such a mind-blowing task and organization that you've got going here. Uh, I first heard about Last Prisoner Project when Willie's Reserve launched Nathaniel Rateliff's Night Stash collection. I believe some of the proceeds went to the Last Prisoner Project, so um, just for just hearing of it, Not only was I overwhelmed that such an organization even existed, but then to be completely overtaken by the numbers of people still incarcerated for low-level marijuana offenses, like 15.7 million people arrested for marijuana in the last decade. It's completely insane. And $47 million spent on a senseless failing war on drugs. Was launching The Last Prisoner Project as daunting of a task as one might imagine it would be?
1: You know, it's been a wild ride. Um, I will say that we're still really new organization, so it hasn't even been uh, two years yet. I feel a moral imperative to help those who have been negatively impacted by the criminalization of cannabis. Um, I do come from the traditional market myself, and I feel really lucky that I'm not one of our constituents who is in prison for cannabis. So um, it has been a lot of work. Um, I'll say our team is absolutely obsessed with um, making a positive impact and helping those who are still in prison for cannabis. But, you know, we've partnered with dozens of organizations across the country. We're working with so many incredible cannabis companies like CannaCraft and brands like Farmer and the Felon. Without the support of brands like Farmer and the Felon, we could not do the work that we do. And almost all of the funding that we've raised to launch our clemency program and our reentry program, almost all of the funding is coming directly from the cannabis industry. So it feels really good to know that there are so many of us who do feel a moral imperative to help uh, the people who are still incarcerated, even though this is now a, a booming industry.
0: And you utilize a multi-pronged effect as well as with intervention, advocacy, and awareness. So Are there certain areas of that you can tell us about?
1: Absolutely. So our main focus, of course, is clemency, getting people out of prison. Um, Second focus of ours is helping people rebuild their lives once they're out, whether we help them get out or if they have already been released and now they have learned about our programs. We have reentry services, grants that people can apply for. Um, We help with mentorship and, you know, fingers crossed, employment in the legal industry for those people who are interested. And then the third focus, of course, is education, um, making sure that the public is aware that there still are uh, well over 40,000 people incarcerated for cannabis, because most everyday Americans have no idea that this is still even an issue. And they wrongfully assume that when states go legal, that they automatically let people out of prison. And so It's our job to definitely educate the public. And so that is one of the reasons we work with so many different celebrity ambassadors. Um, Jim Belushi has been very supportive. Melissa Etheridge, B-roll from Cypress Hill. We work with many different people from the entertainment industry, music industry. And um, part of the reason why it's so wonderful having the support of these ambassadors is because they have so many fans and so many viewers on social media, and they're able to help us educate the public about this important topic.
0: So good to hear people getting on board with it. And one of the most popular cases recently has been the Michael Thompson case in Michigan. Were you guys directly involved with that?
1: Definitely. Yes. So we've been working with Michael for a little over a year now and advocating for him. We've helped over 200,000 people email or call Governor Whitmer's office over the last year in support of his release. We will definitely help him upon his reentry as well. We have a team who's actually driving to Michigan right now um, from other parts of the East Coast, driving to greet him upon his exit and, you know, help him rebuild his life.
0: Is it safe to say there's probably thousands more like him that are languishing without the press and notoriety?
1: Absolutely thousands more just in the state of Michigan alone. And so, you know, we say that there's 40,000 people plus in prison in America. But to be honest, that number could be much higher because our justice system is so archaic. There's no simple way to find out exactly how many people are incarcerated for cannabis. Um, We, for example, in the state of Colorado, we had to go through the governor's office and then through the department of corrections just to find out how many people are incarcerated for cannabis in the state of Colorado, even though it was one of the very first or the first states to go adult use uh, legalization passed. So all of this going to say is it's uh, very difficult to know how many people are actually incarcerated, but the number is very high.
0: And I think, like you said, the mass general public probably does assume that once the state goes legal, oh, everything just gets let out for the low level offenses. But that's certainly not the case. And we need people like you and your organization in there fighting the fight to help out. Um, is there a certain program at LPP that focuses on getting people out? Like, do you have to be a lawyer to be involved to do that? Or how can the average person help out?
1: So there's different ways. Um. Anybody that wants to get involved, first go to our website, learn a little bit more about what we do. Um, You can apply to be a volunteer with Last Prisoner Project. One of the biggest ways that people can actually help that they don't realize is simply by following us on social media and reposting posts that resonate with you as a way of educating your friends and your family and that ripple effect of just creating more awareness. But of course, if people are, attorneys and they want to get involved. Um, We have a very robust compassionate release program. And so we match pro bono attorneys with inmates um, to help them file their compassionate release petitions. And so that program, we work with about four um, national law firms and even international law firms on that. But we um, have, you know, individual attorneys reach out to us all the time. And so we Plug them in as best we can. Even if people are, say, um, you specialize in copywriting or graphic design, there are so many different ways to plug into LPP. Um, whatever your specialty is, you know, just reach out and, and see what you might be able to help with. So definitely suggest for people to reach out.
0: There you go, folks. Reach out to lastprisonerproject.org. Rachel, let's segue to you and how Pharma and the Felon Number 1 came to be and how the work you do works synergistically with LPP. But give us a quick story about who the actual Farmer and the Felon are and how this collaboration benefits more than just your average cannabis user.
2: Farmer and the Felon, um, the, the brand name pays homage to our founders of CannaCraft, Dennis Hunter and Ned Fussell. Uh, Dennis Hunter being the felon, um, he actually spent six and a half years in federal prison uh, for cannabis cultivation. He was busted Um I think at the time it was the largest cannabis cultivation um, in California history up in Humboldt County. And uh, he was advised to run from the law, actually, because there were mandatory minimums for uh, the type of grow that he had. He spent four and a half years on the run. And while he was on the run, um, he assumed uh, a fake identity for his family, um, you know, just to avoid a life prison sentence. He obviously wanted to be with his family. So during that time, he actually spent uh spent some time building uh dispensaries and working on legalization of cannabis, um, thinking that it would help his case in the long run, knowing that he was gonna have to face this at some point. And uh, so you know, while I was getting to know Dennis and and Ned, uh, learning their story and trying to figure out how I was gonna put this, this brand story together, there were a couple of things that kept standing out about their story, how they came together, and uh, these themes kept coming up, and and, and also the history of Canacraft. And so um, authenticity kept coming up, cultural preservation, just really wanting to be able to tell these stories, um, stories like his and others that were industry trailblazers. Advocacy, obviously, because Dennis is very passionate about um, making sure that people are released from prison and not um, having to experience what he went through so everything that we do with the marketing, um, and the intent of the brand tries to touch on these, these things, these pillars.
0: And how long was he on the run for a good couple of years?
2: Four and a half years. There are many stories. Um, you know, and as we roll out the marketing of this brand, some of, some of those stories will be told. Um, but, uh, it was a pretty intense time and it was a really eye-opening experience just to hear, just to hear what he went through, honestly. And, uh, you know, I also come from the tr- traditional market. I was a grower for a long time. Um, I never was as, as big a risk taker as as Dennis was, but we all face the same same uh, you know possible repercussions of jail time, and so that's why this brand is very important for bringing awareness.
0: As a grower who had been doing it underground, say for many years, how is making the transition? Because I know many growers who have no interest in making the transition to the legal world.
2: Well, I mean that that's the thing. I was a small grower, and so I um. I voted against Prop 64 because I knew that was the end of my, uh, you know, my career or my time that way. Uh, Obviously, I found a way to transition and and build a career in a different way. But a lot of small growers got lost in the fold on that one. And so those are some of these stories that we also want to tell because, you know, Dennis's story is a success story. It, it just is not not everybody was able to um, to go through what he went through and come out on the other side. And so many people like these prisoners that we're going to highlight, um, you know, their lives are wrecked forever. And uh, what we can do to, to bring awareness and to to change that for for them going forward is is that's our mission.
0: So tell me about the partnership with LPP. Like, does all farmer and the felon proceeds go to them? And how did it come about?
2: Well, lots of negotiation <laughs> and um, um, but, you know, basically it's always been our intent to, to provide as much, you know, financial contributions as possible and as much awareness as possible. So, you know, I designed the packaging to always highlight Last Prisoner Project, call out their missions, um, you know, every, every piece of packaging. We're just trying to to promote the message rather um, just get the get you guys some followers and, and get people aware of the situation.
0: And how closely involved are you with the product itself?
2: Pretty close. Um, I, I almost uh, inspect every single batch, and you know quality control is very important. Um I know as a grower that uh, it's the biggest thing. and um, I've been involved in other brands in the industry. and so you know it's our mission to to have a high quality product for a very fair price point. But also knowing this is this is California, we're at the base of the Emerald Triangle. We're all growers, and we want to be able to provide quality product, and and you know not not pillage people's pockets. So um, it's very very important to me.
0: Do you see partnerships in the cannabis industry as an essential to its overall growth and well being?
2: For sure, I, I mean, w- when I when I joined Canacraft, I had to kind of, um, you know, figure out what this this brand, you know, the marketing about this brand was going to be. Um, obviously, there's an amazing foundation of um, being able to support and promote the last Prisoner project and that mission. Um, but when I was doing some exploratory interviewing of employees to, to learn the history of CannaCraft, um, that's when I found those themes. And, and a big theme was community. There were so many you know, other competing brands or competing entities that all come together when, when things like raids happen and, and people go to jail temporarily for a raid or a fire happens. The community aspect of cannabis and especially the old school, you know, legacy OGs is strong and thick. And um, it's an important thing to preserve and, and to tell. So that's what we're here to do.
0: So as the cannabis industry can be looked at as a fairly new entity with the likes of you two and many other powerful women in prominent positions, do you feel there's a balance in the industry that doesn't exist like it should in other industries?
2: There are a lot of women in cannabis for sure. Um, and and I, I will speak to, especially being a grower, um, you know, the, the grower is a, is a boys club for sure. And um, so, you know, I've had to kind of fight to, to hold my own and to, to prove my worth there. Um, but uh, that's what we do. <laughs> and what's uh, what I will continue to do. Um, and I know,
0: I know my shit. <laughs> I bet you do. And anyone out there who thinks that growing is some easy thing to do is seriously misguided. Without looking too deep into a crystal ball, how are you both feeling about the future? Do you think that legalization is going to sweep over everything and perhaps lead to interstate commerce with this? And Mary, with the giant goal that you guys have at LPP with so many people in prison, what do you hope to see in the future? And what do you think is feasible in the short term?
1: Yeah, I mean, we are staying very positive um, that this new administration will push things forward towards legalization and the release of cannabis people uh, nationwide. Um, that would be amazing. Um, hopefully, the MORE Act uh, 2.0 will be um, moving forward with some additions to the original MORE Act. The former administration, at the very end, you know, within the last couple hours that administration did put out a new list of executive pardons and commutations. And thankfully there were 12 cannabis prisoners on that list. So that was a wonderful thing. Hopefully the next administration goes above and beyond and we can do some large scale mass pardons and commutations.
0: Were you personally shocked by that happening from this last administration?
1: I wasn't shocked because we had been working on it for a while. Um, We were working directly with Ivanka Trump and the Department of Justice on a lot of that. So we were, you know, we stayed cautiously optimistic because until it comes out publicly, there's no telling if, you know, things are going to go move forward as we were hoping. And, um, you know, some incorrect information was actually leaked. And there were some people on that list that, some advocates thought would be on the list and they were not, which is very sad. So it was a big lesson, I think for us as an org that until it is publicly announced and it's all over in the news, nothing is real. Um, and so, you know, that, that was a lesson, but, you know, again, hopefully um, we have started our communications with the new administration and, you know, we're gonna just keep advocating as much as possible.
0: When this podcast airs, Michael Thompson will be released. But as we're recording this right now, you mentioned he will be released tomorrow morning at 4 a.m. Do you envision that this will lead to a good new media groundswell and maybe opening the door for some more people a little bit quicker?
1: That's certainly my hope. Uh, And my hope and my dream is that, you know, the people that were released last week, as well as Michael Thompson, that it will just bring it to the forefront of everyone's mind and keep pushing that needle forward for mass pardons and commutations.
0: You work with a lot of celebrities and entertainers. You mentioned you've got a lot of athletes on your advisory board too. I know the NBA recently said, and I, I think Ultimate Fighting or one of those organizations said they'd no longer be going to uh, be testing for cannabis. So the athletes play a huge role in this too. Did you seek them out or did they come to you? Cause they are seriously high profile. So having them on board has gotta be a great advantage.
1: Our ambassadors come from so many different directions. We work with Ricky Williams. He sits on our advisory board. Um, Al Harrington, um, we work with him as an ambassador. I feel like even from the very start of me working with Steve and Andrew D'Angelo from the very beginning, they told me that they would make some introductions and that I should take those intros and run with them. And so the same kind of happens with our ambassadors as well as uh, we get introductions from very curious places. And Again, I just take those intros and run with them as much as I can. Um, for example, even working with Ivanka, that introduction came from Willie Nelson's son, Lucas Nelson. And he you know, introduced us with Ivanka about a year ago. And so we stayed in t- touch. And as the you know, administration was changing, we felt like it would be a good time to reach back out and continuing our advocacy efforts.
0: Uh, talk about some strange bedfellows. Whoever would <laughs> who would have imagined,
1: <laughs> unlikely allies. But you know, um, we will just go with it and and just be incredibly grateful that um, such positive um, news came to fruition. I went to LA just this past weekend for the release of Corvin Cooper, who was serving a life sentence for cannabis, and um, it was incredible. It, he was somebody that i had been, um, you know advocating for for about a year and, you know, working with his children, working with his mom and his sister and to get to meet everybody in person and to see how close they had all stayed in touch even while he was incarcerated for eight years. You know, he knows his family and his daughters. He was still as present as he could be from across the country behind bars. It really is, it feels a little bit like a miracle. We're just, again, just really hoping that it it does create more releases soon to come
0: that's got to be an incredibly fulfilling feeling and congrats amazing work you all do there one thing that's not been able to happen due to covid something i can see both lpp and farm and felon getting involved in would be benefit concerts you know when shows come back i really hope one of the first ones i get to go to is a benefit for you all
1: we would like to do maybe an annual gala concert, um, you know, but, you know, we've done the best we can. We've built programs to make it really easy for brands to come on board. So there's different levels of donations that they can make with different perks. So we've had a lot of companies sign on, um, which is called Partners for Freedom programs. We also have a Roll It Up for Justice program, it's a free program for dispensaries um, to come on board and offer um, opportunities for people to donate at checkout. So we, help you integrate into your point of sale or cash donation boxes. You guys collect them and then mail a check once per month.
0: I want to thank you both so much, Mary Bailey of The Last Prisoner Project and Rachel Smith of Farmer and the Felon.
2: Thanks, Rob. Thanks, Rob. Thanks, nice guys. And Marin, we love you guys.
0: Check out their respective websites, lastprisonerproject.org farmerfelon.com, and com. Check out their sites and get involved. Thank you both for joining us today, and we look forward to hearing more great things from both of your camps. This is Rob Bleetstein and you've been listening to the Nice Guys Delivery Podcast, and we'll see you next time. Why?